Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Well, hey there. Thanks for listening to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George, and we have some very difficult stuff to talk about today. As many of us know, the term and phrase human trafficking or sex trafficking is becoming more and more common in our culture because it's such a strong reality. In fact, we've talked on here before that there are more people enslaved today than there ever have been in the history of humanity. And that seems hard to believe, but it is true. And what's really devastating and sad about that is a lot of those are people that are children and are being forced into lives of slavery. And it's something that's happening right under our noses, especially right here in America. Well, our guest today is Alan Smith, and he is the leader of a great organization called Saving Innocence, which is working to end human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking, in the Los Angeles area. This is one of those episodes that if you're driving around with the kids, you may want to go ahead and save this one for later, uh, because it is going to be uh, some pretty heavy stuff that we're going to discuss Uh, but something that everybody needs to know about so we can help bring it to an end. Alan has a brand new book out there, and we want to make you aware of it. It's called Men Fight For Me. It's written specifically to men, but anybody can read it. And I would encourage everyone to get a copy of that and read that book. So we're going to hear from him in just a second. This month, we continue to be sponsored by Red Letter Challenge, who provides great resources, not just for adults, but also for kids. And so if you're doing the Red Letter Challenge and walking through the words of Jesus in 40 days, that you know that your kids can do that too, because they have written resources for your children. So make sure that you check them out, redletterchallenge.com slash rusty and that will give you a free resource along the way well here we go into a very difficult conversation with alan smith listener discretion advised here we go alan smith joining the podcast so glad to have you with us for those who don't know you give us a brief snapshot as to who you are well, first of all, thanks for having me, Rusty. It's an honor. I listen to your podcasts whenever they come out, and uh, I feel like I hit the big time. I'm on the Rusty George podcast. Um, yeah. Alan Smith, a 20-year uh, Valencia resident, 20-year um, real-life church attender uh, back when it was in the movie theater. And we, we mm. went there uh, originally because we heard that the year before they went to Magic Mountain for Easter. I thought, that's a church I can go to. Amen. But um, <laughs> yesterday, as we record this, I celebrated my 37th wedding anniversary to my lovely wife, oh, Sharon. Wow. And uh, yes, I did marry up. She is a saint. <laughs> exactly. Yes, she's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know what she was thinking. Uh, we have two wonderful kids, Brittany and Trevor. And they are here in the L.A. area. Brittany works at the Staples Center selling high-end sports entertainment. And Trevor's actually just about ready to finish his master's in criminal justice. He got laid off the pandemic and said, he said, I'm going to go back to school now. And uh, mm. he's going to go change the world with the broken criminal justice system. So good for him. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, uh, for our listeners that, that listen to the podcast, they know that uh, I'm a big football fan, specifically the Kansas City Chiefs, and our paths intersect because you are a San Francisco 49ers fan. So right. have you gotten over the loss in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Sorry to you bring know, it just, up. I just keep looking at my five Super Bowl trophies, and I think, uh, at least we got there. What's the first one we've lost? Actually, the second one we've lost. Sorry. 
Um, I have gotten over it. I bought you lunch as a as a peace offering afterwards, and um, <laughs> I just hope your team can win a second one in your lifetime, uh, and uh, so you can feel so you can feel good about it. You know, I think it's every thirty years. So no, it's I take that, that back. Every every 50. fifty years. So <laughs> nope, it won't be in my lifetime. Actually, I feel pretty good about it. Um, what what was the one you lost? I can't remember that one. Well, we lost to the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, oh, uh, when the lights went out, that's and then right. we had it. We had the ball on the two-yard line or something, and you know, Colin Kaepernick threw the ball up like a crazy, you know, loft, and, and threw it out of bounds, and it was game was over. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's the Harbaugh year. Okay, I forgot about that one. Sorry to bring that one up too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not. It's very calculated. <laughs> you don't do anything by accident. Well, I mean, all we really needed was six minutes, and that's that's uh, how we beat you guys. We let you have the rest of the game. <laughs> Listen, we're here to talk about much more important things than that, and that has a lot to do with a big decision you made several years ago um, to start working for an organization called Saving Innocence. Um, Alan, for our listeners that don't understand what that is, and certainly for our church leaders, um, especially those in the California area, um, Saving Innocence is an incredible organization, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about it and just some of the ways we might be able to partner with it. Yeah, Saving Innocence, it really, uh, I, I joined an amazing organization. It's my honor to be there now, going on six years, mm. which seems kind of crazy to say that. But, um, you know, it's in the human trafficking space. I should say the anti-human trafficking space. That's good. And um, there, there's several big buckets when p- someone thinks about uh, human trafficking. There's sex trafficking and labor trafficking. There's foreign and domestic, and then there's minors and adults, kind of, and they fit into all of those different categories. Um, you know, the federal definition of human trafficking basically says um, that you're basically compelling someone to do something that which they don't want to do by the use of force, fraud, or coercion. So you're forcing someone to have sex or to work in conditions that are subhuman. Um, and so our, our particular niche and focus are the child victims of sex trafficking. Uh, it's not a competition, but, you know, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of the worst of the worst and all forms of slavery. And it is called the modern day slavery. And that's exactly what it is, slavery. It's it's all repugnant and uh, egregious and unacceptable as humans. But when you're talking about children being forced into sex slavery, sex trafficking, uh, our youngest client from a couple of years ago was seven years old when we received her. And now she's, you know, I think nine, she's a couple of years now we've been with her. And you just say, my goodness, Rusty, I mean, you're a dad with daughters. Uh, it's hard to imagine anything worse happening to your daughter or someone that you loved at a tender young age to be forced to have 10, 12, 15 encounters, saying it nicely for the podcast here, a day mm-hmm. by strange men. So that's what we do. We push up against that. We're contracted by LA County to go out as first responders when these kids are uncovered. We step into that and then we begin the long process of rehumanizing them, we like to say. They've been dehumanized. And certainly a lot of that is their tangible, practical needs that they need in that moment and in the days and weeks to come. But then a lot of it is just the rehabilitative and therapy, therapeutic services mm. as we enter into their relationship with them. So it's an honor, truly is an honor. It's heartbreaking and joyful, all at the same mixed up, strange kind of concoction. It's so fun to be part of these kids' lives and help them take baby steps. Um, at the same time, it's absolutely repulsive that we're even having this conversation. Well, it is. And I think for many of us, it's um, it's still surprising. You know, we've talked often that at Real Life about 
the statistics that tell us there are more people enslaved today than there ever have been in human history. And then when you think about a good portion of those being kids, we tend to assume, okay, you know, Philippines, Dominican Republic, uh, Africa. But no, when you think about it happening in the good old U.S. of A., on our streets, people that we see, uh, I don't even think we can wrap our minds around that. And I, I remember seeing a movie a few years ago that our, our friend Chris Dowling did called Priceless that kind of got at this a little bit and began to show you how this kind of happens under our noses. Tell us what those of us who live in the suburbs don't know about this issue. Well, the, the big aha that most people don't know is that, uh, number one, you got to start at square one. It's happening here. There are U.S.-born American citizens, our children. We're not talking about kids coming over the border. All Some of that is happening. We're not talking about kids from Thailand being shipped in. Probably not much of that is happening because uh, the, the harvest, if you will, is so plentiful for the traffickers and the predators. There's so many at-risk, vulnerable children right here in our midst. About 80% of them are already involved in the child welfare system, already in the foster care system. Um, mm -hmm. They are yearning for love and acceptance and attention like all 10, 12, 15 year olds are, like all 40 and 50 year olds are looking, mm -hmm. uh, wanting someone to love them and care about them. And, and, but yet a healthy version of that has been denied uh, thus far in their life almost totally. And so these traffickers step in and say all the things they're like little child psychologists. They know what to say. They can prey on the vulnerabilities of these kids and they lure them into a relationship. And so for the suburbs, yeah, trafficking looks different. There are, there are places in LA, you can go right now, you can go tonight and you can see the streets full of kids walking the streets. I'm not gonna tell you where it is cause I don't need people going down there to, to looky-loo and anything like that. But just trust me, it's happening. It wouldn't be hard to find if you were interested. Um, but not so much on McBean or Valencia Boulevard, you know, for a lot of your listeners are here locally, Santa Cruz, you don't see it. It's not as visible, but I will say this. I was in a conversation with the sheriff and the task force uh, a while back and they'd put up a kind of an online ad, um, advertising a child here in Santa Clarita. Uh, you know, one of those things like you've seen on TV and there was a massive amount of hits to the ad from local residents. So. I start looking at people differently when I'm out to dinner with my wife. Like, is it you? Was it you? Hmm. Uh, so the number one biggest thing to take away for everyone, particularly people in the suburbs, it absolutely is happening around you. You just don't see it as clearly. The technology is taken to the next level. Everyone's got a mini supercomputer in their pocket in their hand at all times. Looks like a cell phone. And there's kids for sale, locations for sale, all happening around the clock. And uh, hmm. it, it, it's everywhere. Alan, I'm not asking you to be a psychiatrist or a sociologist, but how did we get here? How does somebody begin to make those decisions? Is it just desensitized? Is it an oversaturation with the images that we see all the time? You know, for somebody who's listening right now thinking, I would never do that, but yet somebody in their household may, are there indicators that someone's heading down that road to the point where they want to buy a child? It's, you know, there, there's a lot of ways to answer that and we could spend a lot of time on it, but I think the shorter answer, it's broken people living in, in a sinful world that devalues human life. Uh, by and large, the society and the culture we live at devalues human life. Hmm. And specifically, if you look at the media messaging, 
the things that our youngest kids are being saturated with on a regular basis. If you pull up the lyrics on the popular hip hop rap song scene, they are devaluing life and specifically they're devaluing women mm -hmm. and they're devaluing the beautiful creation of sexual intimacy that God created. It's being devalued on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And um, that combined with broken people, uh, combined with various addictions and stresses, it, you know, I, I sort of think of it like the, the frog in the pot, you know, mm -hmm. if, you, if you put a frog in a pot and you turn up one degree an hour, he doesn't even notice until he's boiling. He doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a shocking thing. You throw the a frog in that same boiling water, the same temperature, he jumps out immediately and freaks out. And so this devaluing of life, the media messaging, uh, the, the breakdown of the family, and specifically, I have a heart because I'm a man and I'm a dad, the breakdown of fathers and the abdication of their rights and their their duties as a parent, as a father, to, to be the right kind of dad for their young boys and their young girls. Um, it all adds up to a path. Now, not everybody is going so far as to buy a child for sex. But there's a, there's a lot of strip clubs and there's a lot of illicit massage parlors and there's a lot of pornography and there's all those things that lead up to it. And then a small percentage of those users get addicted to those things. And then the next thing you know, in a weak moment, um, it's not hard to find if you're looking for it and they get to that place. And, and I would say this, some buyers, it's not necessarily that they're looking for children. Mm -hmm. Like that's, even the buyers would say that's gross. But now they paid their money. Some would say that. They, they paid their money, they set up their appointment, they show up, and it's because the children, the younger ones, are the most vulnerable to being coerced in this way. So they may show up to the motel room, and there could be a 15-year-old that they didn't order a 15-year-old. They, they there was no age. Or, they were thinking they were getting someone maybe a little bit older, possibly. And now here they are. They've already gone down this path. They've already paid their money, and she's dressed and is trained to look in a certain way that you don't necessarily know that she's 15. Exactly. Mm. So that's, that's some of the factors. I think as a society, we got to hit a reset button and start valuing life and start valuing women and start valuing uh, God's creation for how he set this whole thing up to work. Until that happens, it's going to be a long road. So, so much of that sentiment goes into your latest book entitled Men Fight for Me. Tell me about the book. It recently launched, and we're encouraging everybody to go out and get a copy of this. Tell me where this came from. Obviously, some of it in your, uh, you know, just understanding that you just talked through, but some of your hope behind this this great resource. Yeah, when I came to Saving Innocence, a few things became very obvious really quickly that grabbed my attention. Uh, one was I realized quickly that men were the problem. And somebody might say, which problem are you talking about? And I might say, pick a problem. <laughs> men are probably the problem. Right. In this particular case, men are absolutely the problem. Most of the buyers are men. Most of the sellers are men. It's mostly men running trafficking and sex trafficking specifically. Um, and then I, uh, on top of that, I stacked the idea that I started going to things. I started going to trainings and meetings and maybe a, a church in LA has got a Saturday morning awareness event and they've invited their community. And I show up to those things mm -hmm. and there's almost no men there. Yeah. It's a bunch of women and they're great. The women that are battling this are phenomenal, brave, courageous, strong women all over the place fighting this. But the problem is the biggest part of the problem is men. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of like in, in medicine, if you can identify a particular problem, you know, I had a little spot on my forehead this last year. The doctor said, I don't like that. Let me look at it. Took a chunk out of it, said, yeah, it's a little piece of skin cancer. Come back. We're going to dig it out. Great. So now it's gone. Uh, he was able to isolate it and define it. 
So in this case, we can isolate and define men are the problem. So that means, mm -hmm. stands the reason that the biggest part of the solution is men. Now you stack those two things onto, I was at one of these such events, a couple of our staff members, my co-author, Jessica, um, and, and Kim, our founder at Saving Innocence, were speaking at an event. And next to them was a woman named Rachel Thomas. She's a all-star survivor leader doing great things out in the, out in the world. And uh, I didn't know her at the time. Since then, she's become a friend. And she was telling her story. And, and she she's telling, it was very gripping. And she got to the place where she says, for the first five months, I was kicking and screaming and trying to figure out how I could get out. And then I realized I could no longer fight for myself. I needed someone to fight for me. So you stack men are the problem. That means men are the solution. There's almost no men part of the solution. And now I have a survivor of trafficking telling me in no uncertain terms, I gave up. I saw no way out. I needed someone to fight for me. So that was the essence of the book entitled Men Fight for Me. It's uh, it, uh, about 80% of the book is not male or female centered. Not, you know, that, it's not that it's just a, a great breakdown of the problem and the issues and all that. But there's a good 20% that's me using my male voice, challenging men to step up and take responsibility in the solution. That's kind of the essence of it, of where it came from. Hey, let me interrupt this episode for one second and remind you we are very, very close to hitting the 1 million download. Probably will happen this month. And we want to give away something to celebrate. If you go to PastorRustyGeorge.com, you can register and you're going to receive a gift basket filled with some of my favorite things, including a cooking spice that I grew up with. I've never seen anybody else use it. I found it in a store. I bought some of them for you. My mom used it all the time. I use it all the time. We love it. Our kids love it. You're going to love it. And so that's just something different for me to give to you as a thank you. Thanks for helping us hit 1 million downloads and help us celebrate by going to the website, typing in your information, and you'll be entered to win one of our 10 gift baskets we're going to be giving out. Okay, enough of that. Back to the episode. Okay, so free shot, and all men listening right now, what can they do? Because I'm looking at the, the movie poster behind your head right now on our video feed is Gladiator, <laughs> right. and I'm thinking, yeah, let's go storm these places. Let's go rescue these kids, and there's Braveheart and Rocky. I mean, goodness, you got it all. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, we can't do that, so what can we do? Uh, you, we, you and I didn't script out this, this uh, podcast right now, but... I absolutely love it when someone says, what can we do? Yep. And not a shameless plug for the book because there is a list of resources and things you can do from the book. In the back of the book, there's a list of a dozen things that says, do this, you know, kind of things you could do today. Uh, I never want to answer the question too quickly and easily because I want to challenge men. I don't know. What can you do? Like do that. You don't have to learn a whole new thing. You don't have to go to school. Like, Rusty, you have a podcast. You can have me on your podcast. You know, you lead a church. You can involve me in the church somehow. That's what you can do. Yep. You have social media. You know, what can you? What can people out there in listener land do? Well, I don't know. What do you know? Who do you know? You have any money? We need money to run this thing. You don't have any money? Cool. What can you do? Do you have graphic design skills? Contact me. And you can info at savinginnocence.org. It'll be circled to the right person. You can volunteer. You can get money. You can help. Um and you can buy the book and get yourself more educated. I'd say that's the first take home is get yourself more educated on the topic. Uh, Google is this amazing <laughs> thing that we have at our disposal. You can type in pretty much anything and you have articles and podcasts and documentaries that'll pop up. Uh, that's some of what I did when I first started getting involved. And we humbly offer this book as a resource to get more educated. And then you'll be bothered. I had a friend just 
today was, was reading the book. He said, I, I'm taking bite-sized pieces. It's a hard read. I, I, I have to take bite-sized pieces. I said, good. I'm glad it's a hard read. That means you're getting it. Yeah. And uh, I even say in the book, let it keep you up at night. Mm-hmm. Marinate on it. Mm-hmm. And you'll, it'll be clear what you can do and what you should do. For me, I changed careers. That's what I did. Maybe that's not what you're going to do, but you can do something. I think, you know, just to speak really boldly to the men listening to this podcast, stop looking at porn. No. I mean, let's face it. Why do they keep producing it? Because people keep buying it. You know, it goes away if we stop buying it. So stop looking at porn. Stop Googling those images. Stop watching those movies. And I think that's step one is just the abstinence from some of these things. And then we can start getting our heads clear and start focusing on what we can do. Yeah, that's a good word, Rusty. We, I know you read the book, and there is a section where I spend a little bit of time talking about pornography. It's a huge on-ramp to exploitation mm-hmm. and uh, desensitization of buyers and sellers and future victims. And there's a couple things that I've learned in the last little bit of time that, you know, pornography isn't something that I've struggled with in my lifetime. But this absolutely sealed the deal. I can in no way go down that road because I learned a couple things. I have a friend who's producing and about to release a really powerful documentary called Beyond Fantasy. Once it comes out, it'll come out somewhere. Get it. He spent years interviewing everybody in the pornography industry. And he told me this. He said, not some, not many, but most of the women that you see in a pornography setting are there against their will. They're coerced in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we've had trafficking survivors that say, I was trafficked. I'm an active trafficking victim. They took me to a motel room. I got raped by a bunch of men. Someone turned a video camera on and that made itself onto a porn site. So now, are you kidding me? Uh, Guys, let me talk to you guys. You seriously are going to sit in front of your tablet or your phone or your computer after hours and watch someone get raped. And that's going to somehow bring enjoyment and pleasure. We're better than that. We are better than that. We have to be better than that. Right. And um, if we can get a hold of some of those major issues, um, we have a shot at ending all of this. You're right. Well, the book is great. Um, for those that are scared of it, um, I will tell you that it's not that bad, but it is bad enough to make you think I gotta, I gotta be a part of the solution. It's not gratuitous, but it is incredibly insightful and helpful. And it's so much more than just don't do this. And isn't this awful? I think we've all read books or seen movies that make us think, boy, that's really terrible, but we don't know what to do next. There's great resources in there as to what to do next. Great conversations to have with your kids so they don't end up becoming victims of this or supporting it in some kind of way. And great things for your church to do as well. Uh, Alan, tell everybody how they can get the book. We have a little website called fightforme.net. And the book and the whole project lives right there. It's for sale on Amazon. So you could go straight to Amazon and find it. But we made it easy. There's one click on fightforme.net. And we're encouraging people to go there because I want them to be part of the bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's resources there. There's resources to help a pornography addiction. There's resources from the various. We have six really prominent, amazing survivors that have contributed to the book. And their resources are um, plugged or connected to that website. And they've written amazing books and have amazing podcasts. So we're trying to keep the conversation alive. Um, my co- co-author and I uh, were created something we call a Zoomcast, <laughs> where it's basically on Zoom. We record it. So it's kind of like a podcast. And we're interviewing all these amazing people that have contributed to the book. And so those are starting to fill up on that website, on our YouTube channel, um, 
fightforme.net. That's a place to get the book and continue the process of learning more about this horrific topic that has to go away. And it's worth noting, Rusty, we're not trying to slow it down. We're not trying to limit the effects of trafficking. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things that has to go away. And people say, in my lifetime, well, okay, all right, I can sign off on that. But keep in mind tonight, as you tuck your kids into bed, there's going to be a couple hundred thousand children in our country. They're going to be raped a dozen times. All right. In my lifetime, it's too long for them. Mm-hmm. We have to get after this right now. It's it's go time. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So for the pastor out there listening to this, thinking, well, that's great. I'd love to mobilize my church around this. What's the best way to do that? Uh, the best way to do that is to uh, the pastor to get educated on it, on it for him. Start, you know, start with himself. Right. Uh, the church will follow your lead pastor and what you think is important will influence your church's direction. You can call me, you can email me, connect me through the website. There's a number of pastors that know a lot about this topic and they're passionate about it. Um, in fact, I just talked to a friend of mine, uh, Bruce Garner, who leads the Huntington Beach Church, and he contributed to the book specifically in a note to church leaders. Mm. In the back of the book, there's a, what can I, what can my church do to my, to my faith-based crowd, it says. Um, so start, Pastor, by caring about this. How can you not care about it? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take very long. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't, ha- you don't have to <laughs> go too in-depth in the Bible to find out what Jesus' opinion is of children mm-hmm. and where they sit in God's kingdom. And so once we embrace all of that, now we're compelled to do something. And sure, uh, again, there's a list of things the church can do in the book, but um, number one, get educated. Have an anti-trafficking organization or person come and speak at least once a year. Build it into your, hmm. into your church you know, kind of weekend schedules. There's practical, tangible items. You can adopt uh, you know, an organization like Real Life Church has basically adopted Saving Innocence. And at Christmas time, mm-hmm. you know, there's gift baskets and gift cards and those kinds of things start coming in special offerings that church can do, you know, again, saving in. It's a real life church is teaching the rest of the church how to care about this and um, mobilize your people. And I would say this, if a church isn't thinking about trafficking, if they aren't mobilizing in some way, shape or form, if it doesn't show up anywhere on the church budget or the church calendar, I don't want to be controversial. This is not Rusty George saying this. This is Alan Smith. I'm nobody. I'm going to say I would question the leadership of that church Hmm. because this is absolutely evil personified. It's a frontal assault on our society and on our children. And if the church can't get behind this, we have a bigger problem than we even thought we had. I would agree with that, Alan. Um, And I I would, to every pastor out there, I, I think that you assume that everything has to come through the 30 minutes you get from the stage every weekend. And I would say that's not the case. There are great ways you can help your people in conversations online, uh, forums on the weekend. Just helping educate parents on the use of social media for their kids is a pathway into this conversation. Um, And then just to drop hints of it from the stage gets people thinking about it. And then you can have a series on sexuality where you get to talk about some of these things or sin or exploitation in our world. But I know that the hesitancy is, oh, I can't just give away a weekend or this is going to freak people out. Uh, You can ease them into it, into the reality of it, but it has to be dealt with. Uh, Totally agree with that, Rusty. And and I'm available to come and speak anywhere who wants to have me come. And we've got videos and I can do a five-minute thing or a 25-minute thing. Um, It's my mission to stop this 
and with the, spe- the special uh, emphasis on the male audience, I'd love, love to come and talk to your men's groups and yeah. uh, have a little frank conversation with the men uh, whenever possible. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would tell all of our pastors out there that are thinking, should I let this guy come and speak at my church? Let me just let me tell you two <laughs> things. One, Alan is a great speaker. He's very well spoken. He's not going to embarrass you. And two, Alan will read the room. Uh, if it's a room filled with a lot of young families and kids sitting out there, he's going to choose his words carefully. Um, and Alan's not one of those that you can't uh, talk to ahead of time to make sure that things are done in a way that, uh, uh, that is sim- empathetic and sympathetic to everybody sitting out there, but still get the point across. So uh, put it in your budget, put together a Christmas offering, get people thinking about it, send people to the gala, which happens once a year, Saving Innocence. It's a great organization. Okay, I want to ask you this last question, Alan. Every one of us has a job where there are difficult things that we deal with, and then we take it home, and we're trying to figure out where to put it (laughs) before we walk in the door. Maybe it's a teacher that they've got really difficult students that year, and they don't want to take that out on their family. Maybe it is uh, somebody in the food service industry, and they've had really bad customers, and they don't want to come home and take that out on their family. You know, then you've got situations where, like a police officer that sees horrific things and comes home, how do they not take it home? You deal with a lot of horrific images and stories. How can you coach our people on not compartmentalizing, but at least knowing how to deal with that so it doesn't just absolutely ruin your family and your perspective on life, God, and joy? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. Um, you know, there's, there's, if someone is significantly bothered by those things, then I would suggest to get into some counseling, some therapy to help, you know, get, get those tools in your toolbox. If it's a, if it's a notch below that, for me, all I can say for me is there's certainly a few nights here and there where I'm pretty sleepless on something that has happened. For me, I've gotten to know these young survivors and, and some of them and some of the older ones that are on our staff. And I've heard the stories and I don't know if this is actually the healthiest sort of thing long-term for me, <laughs> but um, I, I have a perspective and I guess I don't let myself go down that path too much. I, or I just don't because I know that whatever I have experienced in a day vicariously listening to something like they've had more trauma in one day than I've had in their whole, in one day than I have my whole life. And so I guess it doesn't affect me that much because there's so much joy in my role of helping to facilitate good things. I don't know how to counsel, you know, the police officer or the army veteran who's, you know, in in their different spot. I'm not really sure other than, you know, probably most of the people that are listening to this uh, are somewhere on the spectrum of uh, believing a a follower of Christ. And um, if he's not part of the equation, uh, it's going to be a more difficult road for sure. Um, for me, it's more just a perspective that I can keep that um, the, the trauma that I'm involved with um, is so much greater than anything I've ever imagined. Um, I guess I don't. Hmm. It falls off my back a little quicker maybe than it might somebody else. I don't know if that's a great answer, but that's kind of how I process it. A little bit of wine on a, on a Wednesday night might help. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that there. Uh, <laughs> Alan, uh we're so proud of, of you and Saving Innocence and what you're doing. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. 
And definitely want all of our listeners to check out the book, Fight For Me, and that is at fightforme.net. And you can be a part of the uh, group that's working to end this and uh, support that effort and get your churches involved in it as well. Fightforme.net, a great read and uh, a needed read. So, Alan, thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for what you're doing. And we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks so much, Rusty. Love the church. Love what you do when you lead the church. And I love your involvement and stuff that really matters. So thanks for having me on this podcast. Thank you. Well, that was some pretty heavy stuff. And I know that you're probably wondering, what do I do with that? How do I help? How can I fix things? You heard some of those comments in our conversation, but make sure you grab the book, uh, which is simply titled Men Fight For Me. You can find that on Amazon. You can find it on fightformebook.com. And you can also uh, grab that and begin to read some of the different ways that we can end this horrific issue in our communities. So make sure that you uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share this with a friend who needs to know this. It would mean the world to me. I'd love for you to DM me on Instagram at Rusty L. George and let us know what you would like to hear and the people you'd like to hear from. Well, as always, praying that you have a great week and we will be back next week. Oh boy, this is going to be so much fun. A great conversation uh, with somebody that's going to help us through some big, big questions in the future. I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll talk to you next week. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Let's just-